Listening to the spiritual exercises. My name is Rachel Amaday. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here and welcome. Uh, this is a place where we challenge our mainstream Christian beliefs, or even for many of you, deeply held theological beliefs that you think are really, really rooted in scripture. We go to all of it, we go to the Word of God to make sure that we are actually aligning with the Lord. And it's not because we're legalistic. It's actually because we truly love Yahweh and because we love him and because we want to be the bride, we want to be in relationship, we want to be in covenant with God. We take interest in the letter that he wrote to us, his word. We take interest in who he is and his character. And so we are willing to humble ourselves before the Lord and lay down preconceived notions, um, high-held man-made ideas and ideals, anything we, we are willing to lay it down to understand what God has really taught and what he is really trying to teach us. And it is all for our benefit. It's all to our joy. It's all to our blessing in the end to understand these things better. So thank you for being here and for being on this journey with me. I know if you're here, it's because you have the same passion that I do about the Lord, or perhaps you're curious as to what some people outside of maybe just the mainstream Christian thought life, what they're saying, what they're thinking, what what's being taught out there that's beyond what you've heard previously uh, from mainstream pastors or, you know, folks of Catholic background. So we talk about, and when I say we, I sometimes have guests on. I have a whole lineup of guests coming up that I'm very excited to get those interviews out to you all. Um, but that's what we talk about here. We just talk about the Word of God, but we might open your eyes, your ears, your heart to some things perhaps you didn't know previously, or even some questions that you perhaps didn't have previously. Now this week, guys, I've just been reminded with the news and with the rise, um, the seeming rise, I am, it's been under the surface for a long time, but the rise of blatant anti-Semitism in the world. This is a time period for the first time in my life where I'm realizing that good eschatology and good end times understanding actually really matters. And it is because we are watching people start to question, who are the Jews? Really? Who is Israel? Really? Right? And even among Christians, what I'm starting to see emerge is this discussion around, well, the people in Israel aren't really the Jews. They're not really Jews or they're not real Israel. And because of that, because of that claim that we shouldn't care about what happens to them. Um, and this sort of thinking, I think, goes hand in hand with replacement theology, which I think it's not replacement theology. It, it should be. Replacement theology is a real theology out there. I'm not saying that, but they're wrong. Um, there's something even deeper going on with what God is doing and bringing his family together. Remember, there's the prophecy of the two sticks that he's going to bring together in one hand. Remember, there's two houses throughout scripture, but God intends for those houses to be one. The house of Judah and the house of Israel should be one. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, God wants them to be one. 
the older son that stays home, the prodigal son that left, he wants them both back in his home, both happy to be their brothers again. And so this whole concept that Israel has been replaced by the church, it, it well, let me tell you one thing at least. We are Israel, right? The church of God is Israel. Um, and so when replacement theologians say that, I think what they really mean are the Jews have been replaced by Israel. But this is not biblical. This is not what the Bible teaches. There's no replacement for the Jews. In fact, the Jews play such an essential peace in end times prophecy. Without them, Yeshua doesn't return. And so, you know, there's a lot to discuss here. All of that to say, this is a time frame where I'm realizing that poor eschatological viewpoints are actually playing into political, emotional stances, and possibly even decision-making going on in the United States of America, even among believers. This is very interesting. And so I would encourage you to have some good end times theologians in your life, okay? Some good eschatological discussion. Uh, my first recommendation in that regard is Dr. Douglas Hamp with The Way Congregation. He does almost a weekly prophetic roundtable with lots of different voices, lots of different people. Go look it up on YouTube, Prophecy Roundtable with Dr. Douglas Hamp. It's very, very good. And you're going to get different views, but they're all going to be founded. They're going to be bringing up a lot of scripture, a lot of discussion, and you're going to feel like you really have your feet underneath you after listening to those guys. And it's not based on just random man-made wishes, hopes, and prayers or dispensationalism by itself or replacement theology by itself. They take everything into account and take it to the Bible. And that's why I appreciate those discussions. It might be good for you to go and start taking a listen to some of those things just because of the time period we're in and what we're seeing take place. All right. This week, you know, I was talking to my husband about what's been really interesting to him lately. And he said technology, you know, technology is advancing so quickly and it does not seem like we we were properly prepared for the advancement of artificial intelligence, for the advancements of uh, things like the metaverse, how much social media, how much media we're involved in on a daily basis. Even I am, am trying to build businesses using social media and different media. And I mean, this platform being one of them. And it's kind of hard because we know we're called to go into the world and make disciples and love on people. And we have this strange medium we're often attempting to use to do this. But is it enough, right? Is this good enough? And is it human enough? And so I, I wrote about technology in my book. My book is called Jesus Was Not a Modern Day Christian. I started in the last few weeks to go through the book and actually give you guys kind of an audiobook version along with some commentary at the beginning here um, just because getting to the full audiobook and and how precise I want that to be it's just taking some time and many of you have asked for an audiobook version of my book so I'm doing it I'm doing it out of order 
And that is because my book is not necessarily meant to be read chapter by chapter in order. It doesn't have to be. Each chapter is its own thought, its own essay. So um, I'm, I'm doing it a little out of order, but I thought, well, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking about technology right now. I've done some podcasts on technology in the past. You can go look those up. But right now, I think a great idea would be to start on the chapter, chapter 11 from my book, on technology. So here are my thoughts on what was going on, at least technologically, a few years ago when I wrote this chapter. Lord knows where we really are now and what they really can do behind closed doors that we don't even know about yet. I'm sure we will be discovering that soon, but right now it does seem like technology is running our lives. So let's have a discussion. How does this affect our spiritual life, our walk with the Lord, and um, just what it means to be a human being on planet Earth. So I'm going to start Chapter 11, Technology. I'm not a tech guru. I'm just an inquisitive person, using her brain, codifying observations after decades of time spent meeting people and talking after shows, before shows, in church services and interviews. I've spent extraordinary hours with people in person and interacting online, both as an artist and as someone deeply interested in politics and social issues. My work has kept me in the public eye enough to play shows and be on stages, but I'm not famous. So I often still have unpretentious, candid conversations with friends, family, fans, and strangers alike. While I hold a college degree, and other accreditations. I've coached singers and writers at UCD Denver and have run my own businesses. I cannot claim the opinions I share in this chapter should be taken as ultimate scientific truth. These are ideas and questions based on years of using the internet and social media to share my art, business, and political views, and sometimes the random family moment. This essay is a platform for what I've observed, but may be used for you to mold your own family rules and theological perspectives around technology and its uses. Let's just start by thinking together. I've noticed a significant trend towards handing over power and independent thought to people we call experts. These know-it-alls may sometimes end up admitting fault, but it's often too long after the damage is done. A few stellar current examples include the many politicians and elitists pushing one narrative about COVID and now getting proven wrong, but I digress. These folks feel obligated to take strong public stances, yet they may possess no more knowledge or good counsel than you or me. Our political and media economy seems to be more about the sales pitch than the reality more about how many clicks it gets than how much truth it imparts. Since this is the game, the average individual is tasked to become a better thinker or go on living as clueless as a newborn and hope that nothing disastrous comes out of it. For the sake of our children, our culture, and our church, I believe critical thinking beats naivety every day of the week. If a lack of knowledge can disintegrate the people of God, as the Bible suggests, Hosea 4.6, we are called to dig into scripture and make keen observations about how to interact with a world growing ever more wolf-like. I won't focus on all technological advances here. New discoveries exist in many fields in which the average person does not and will not engage regularly. The technology that exists in the average American home packs a significant spiritual punch and can be controlled by the average family. I highly doubt any of us will visit CERN and make or break any new development there. Neither will we be able to change what they do at CERN from our living rooms. CERN, by the way, is the European Organization for Nuclear Research. 
So let's talk about our use of computers, televisions, phones, and the like. How are we engaging with these? How might these interactions contribute to or denigrate our ability to return to truth? What are the benefits and costs? As someone who spent a small amount of time in the journalistic field, let me be clear. In my short years there, I saw too many underhanded deals, stories killed for political reasons, and plain old factual errors to ever again have faith in the average journalistic product. I lost my confidence in the idea that the media tells the truth. They lie and obfuscate. That doesn't mean truth cannot be found. But is it technology in the end that is our best bet to find the ultimate truth? Are the truths that really matter and that we will care about in our last breaths contained in the digital or analog realm? Physical truths feel often self-evident. They don't seem to need endless hours online or computation. Scripture tells us that we can learn of God in creation, Romans 1.20. Walk out your front door, look at a blade of grass. Can man-made science produce on its own anything so lovely, so efficient, so perfectly crafted to continually produce without intervention? So far, no. There's much truth to be found in observing nature. On the other hand, will you only find lies or deceptions in man-made technology? That likely is not accurate either. Technology may actually point us to some truth, may help us discover it, but truth is not embedded in the technology itself. Tech is just a tool, a tool with a tool with a bias towards the ones who create it. And I often wonder who uses and manipulates the tool most. Is it a truth teller or the father of lies? I was recently reading Adam Smith with my seventh grade son, a hefty task to say the least. Every other word was a piece of vocabulary vocabulary lost to 21st century society, and the ease with which Smith lays out his complex arguments took me back a bit. Do people write like this anymore? Without the internet, nor a computer, thinker after thinker emerges throughout history to remind us of the extraordinary human mind. These minds existed and worked beautifully before the emergence of the modern computer. Brilliant writers and thinkers like Adam Smith, leaders like Abraham Lincoln, and scientists like Isaac Newton did their work and made their marks long before screens became the go-to educators. The promise of technology and a computer in every home was that life and work would be easier and that we would progress. Have we? Is work easier? In all the ways we have progressed in knowledge, have we progressed in goodness? While death rates have steadily declined over the last century, we still face massive health challenges. Rises of heart disease, diabetes, and cancers plague modern society at levels unseen before. Trade-offs have been, have been made to accommodate a workforce more likely to be in front of a screen than out and about with people or doing physical labor. Perhaps we can argue for some of the trade-offs, perhaps against others, but one thing is for sure, life is different. Technological advancements and information are moving and growing at a lightning pace. It's dizzying to realize how much information we have added to the internet year in and year out, or even how many technological advancements are taking place as I write. Two and a half quintillion bytes of data are added to the internet every day, a number impossible to grasp. Some advances like AI or nanotechnology don't even seem real. How are these things happening? I have not the time to research the science behind it all yet. There it is, raising my left eyebrow and inspiring my questions. The world is so different than the one I grew up in, for better and worse. 
We are now so heavily reliant on technology for the very fabric of our Western society, there's hardly room for much else. Surely not as much time in silence or prayer, now that every moment can be filled with an eye-popping story, a sonic escapade, a check-in on friends and strangers through Facebook, or a sarcastic quip on Twitter. The current COVID-19 pandemic and subsequent lockdowns have dramatically increased online activity. Reliance on technology seems to be at an all-time high. However, evidence is strong that our humanity is suffering. Depression and suicide rates skyrocketed as the internet became our only tool of connection during the lockdowns. This sobering fact should make tech companies nervous, although I doubt it does. I have a handful of tech industry friends who obsess about the natural getaways they will be taking this weekend or summer, as long as no screens are involved. The more remote, the better. It is startling what people actually crave when queried about their dream vacations. A beach, camping, observing great architecture, the food in Italy, the wine in France, the Rocky Mountains, a Hawaiian sunset. With all the worlds we can visit online, we still choose an immersive full-body experience. Nobody wants to be taking vacation this summer sitting at home online. We left our windows open last night and I woke up to birds chirping outside. It was the sweetest and most gentle moment I'd experienced in a long while. It meant spring was coming. Warmth would enter our little yard and grass would turn green. I could see it all in my mind, welcome and joyful and peaceful. And not a computer in sight. And what's even better, I didn't choose that moment. I didn't design it. That moment came to me unannounced. While Facebook's metaverse promises a programmable, perfect alternate reality, the real world is filled with unexpected ups and downs. It is up to our miraculous minds to solve unforeseen problems and bask in unexpected joys. Throughout this past winter, all time seemed to be sucked up by discussions of pandemics and deaths. Deaths of people deaths of society, of businesses, deaths of freedom and religious activity, news, 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 propaganda too. But I had a real moment that morning hearing birds singing joyfully. I was reminded of life, real life, right outside my window, continuing to sing and communicate and survive in spite of technological advances. My heart yearns for an open space, a garden, a horseback ride through the country. Just get me out of this suburban, squashed, technologically advanced, monochromatic, safety-obsessed neighborhood. I want an adventure again, without a mask. I want something real and tangible that grows and lives. Not this dirty piece of metal that is ancient in six months and requires my stationary and silent attention. These tech devices inspire little integrated experience. It's just fingers tapping keys while my frame slumps towards it like an old sack of grain, bent and stagnant. The escape from technology offers freedom and health. The tie to technology feels burdensome and boring. The difference between a music concert online and one in real life? It's a canyon, a chasm so big you cannot see across it. And that's just from the musician's perspective here. The difference between seeing flowers on a screen and smelling them in a field? It's watching someone eat a meal versus eating one yourself. The difference between an online call and a hug from a friend? It's longing versus communion. We keep trying to make something that is better than life experienced with all five senses, but each attempt is fraudulent. There isn't anything more real than life lived outside of technology. 
technology offers some ways to better that real-life experience alongside a deluge of attempts to replace that experience. One has been a tolerable and even beneficial complement, the other a complete failure. Yeshua and Technology the two don't seem to go together. When we think about the operation of the early church with its healings and miracles, and when we think about the Holy Spirit, the deep and abiding fellowship we have with our Creator out in nature, oftentimes technology feels dead. There's no connection like the one God provides for His people because a hunk of metal cannot contain God, no matter how vast the expansive information it promises to provide. In fact, God's presence may be found in quite the opposite environment. The whisper of God's voice in my life has almost never come with a screen attached to it. It is in quiet moments of meditation, an observation of human engagement, or an encounter with the beauty of nature. I cannot deny there are so many amazing sermons and teachers online, and yes, I hear God speak through them on a weekly basis. However, if I lived in the location of these great teachers, I would attend their churches in person. My route to finding these teachers was word of mouth, not an internet search. Still, I suppose I can vouch for some measure of the internet on their behalf, while still wondering if it is the ideal. The internet has given me unlimited, unlimited access to teachings, but it has not replaced the comfort and enlightenment of the Spirit as I read my Bible cuddled in a soft blanket in the crook of my couch on the Sabbath. Many a person tells me they need teachers to understand Scripture. I agree with them in part. Making disciples requires leadership, and without great leaders, the people perish, according to Scripture. On the other hand, the same Holy Spirit that walks with our great teachers is supposed to be with every true follower of Yeshua. Perhaps we give the Holy Spirit too little credit. No doubt, one way or another, God desires to open up His Word to each one who comes looking. When teachers are scarce, perhaps it is the layman's responsibility to go digging for truth. Perhaps it is our responsibility even in a wealth of teaching. If we rely on one teacher or the internet, are we in relationship with God or with that teacher or screen? Too heavy a reliance on someone else's interpretations of scripture leads us to stay babies in the faith. At some point, perhaps we should grow up and open up the word to see with our own eyes what it contains. And if we are to make disciples, don't we need to become better teachers ourselves? To do so requires a connected and biblical-founded group of believers. Reassuringly, it's not our job to oversee the managerial aspect of that. God himself builds his church. It is our job to look, ask, seek, knock, pray, read, pursue, and teach. In that calling, how do we reconcile the internet, technology, and entertainment with Yeshua? Where do we put these things that have now assumed so much of our time? According to the Washington Post, children ages 8 to 12 spend an average of 4 hours and 44 minutes on screens each day. Teens average 7 hours and 22 minutes. Seven and a half hours with a screen in front of your face. Do we have an ADHD problem or a screen problem? A conversation for another book, perhaps. The amount of time spent with technology is literally taking over our every free minute. With this rise of use, there is a rise of other issues as well. Before accusing me of making an argument of correlation and not causation, let's just use our own brains for a second. Study after study has shown that social media use goes hand-in-hand hand with rising depression in individuals, according to Healthline, SAGE, NBC, and others. 
The promised connectivity of social media turned out to be a bust. Instead of promoting healthy community, it has instead left the user feeling isolated, vulnerable, and subordinate among his or her peers. Pew Research shows that there was a 59% rise in depression among teens between 2007 and 2017. Science Daily reports that mental health issues over the last decade have greatly increased, especially among young adults. In 2017 to 2018, mental health issues in adults rose by one and a half million people over the previous year's data sets. Drug overdose deaths have more than tripled in the United States since 1990. We continue to have a well-documented opioid overdose crisis. During the COVID lockdowns, binge drinking among adults also increased dramatically, according to a RAND study. Pornography addiction also continues to rise. Currently, around 35% of all internet downloads are pornographic, and there are continual increases in porn users reporting problems with family life, sexuality, and work. Before we move into a closer look at the internet regarding user behaviors like porn, I'd like to point out that it does not appear that a rise in internet use has positively affected our mental well-being. Whatever extraneous reasons may exist, the fact remains that the more we have used technology, the more anxiety, depression, and addiction we are experiencing as a society. We face today a host of psychological disorders, addictions, and overall negative societal outcomes. More on that later. Today, my friends, I'm going to stop here from my book. Um, we will continue this chapter maybe later this week or next week. I hope you're enjoying that. It certainly is a good reminder to me, especially with as much as I've used technology in the past three or four months to do so much of my work. Um, it's a reminder to me that God has created a beautiful world for us to enjoy and that he wants us to obey him with joy and gladness and thankfulness for what he has done and provided. It can be very hard to do that when we're consistently only engaging with man-made and man-curated experiences. And so I want to encourage you this week, get out into your world, get out into nature, pray, thank God for what he has provided for you. Um, take that spirit of gratitude into Thanksgiving talk to people, love on people, do one, you know, maybe out of your way uh, thing to help somebody this week. If you, if you're struggling right now, I tell you the best way, the best way to feel better is always to help somebody around you that has a need. I, I'm, there's nothing that's going to boost your confidence or your joy more than being able to give to another human being, especially if you're a believer. Because, you know, believers with the Holy Spirit, we particularly relish in helping other people, helping animals, humans, humans first, then animals, <laughs> and the world. You know, we're supposed to love this beautiful creation that's been given to us in every soul, even the, even the most difficult, right? The Lord tells us to pray for our enemies, pray for those who persecute us, um, to help those that are difficult to help. But when you do this, it builds you, it, it molds you, it grows you, it strengthens you, and you become more like your Savior. And in that, I mean, there's really nothing better you can be doing with your time or with your life. So, you know, if you're like me and you use technology a lot as part of your work life, 
take that time. Make sure you're carving out time with family, friends, nature, animals, all of those things to stay balanced, to stay connected to what God has created and to stay grateful and to, you know, also prevent isolation, depression, all of these other issues, not to mention physical health. So there's going to be a lot more. I'm going to dig into a lot more when I uh, get to the rest of that chapter there. But hopefully you guys are enjoying this as um, part of this podcast series. Very shortly, I've got three wonderful guests lined up for y'all that are going to be interviewed. And I am still working out. Um, I do think it's going to work, but I'm working out a way that you guys can support me, support what I'm doing, kind of how Paul supported his ministry. Paul was a tent maker or, you know, a prayer shawl creator, and he sold those, and that's how he funded his ministry. I like that model. That's my favorite model for, for my ministry and for what I'm trying to do. So I'm trying to find a way that at no extra cost to you, you can support my ministry. You're going to get something that you need or normally would have bought in return. So um, I will be hopefully ready with that and set up with that in the coming month or two. And I think it'll be a much better way for you guys to support what I'm doing. Many, many blessings to you. Um, until next time.